Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. I am super excited. We are in season three. This is episode two, and we are moving right along. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And in this episode, we're hitting the bottle, and I don't mean booze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking witches' bottles and spell jars, how to craft a traditional witches' bottle as well as discussing the ever-popular modern spell jar for various magical intentions. This is going to be a very full episode, so grab your cuppa and settle in. All right. Hello. Hello. How are we? We are fabulous. Let's talk bottles and jars, my friend. Do you use them often in your practice? Uh, That answer would be absolutely hundo P. Do I use (laughs) them? And I, I use them quite a lot quite a lot from everything from, uh, bindings to money workings to protection work. I mean, yes, all across the board. All right. So I would assume that you feel they are a powerful form of magic. I absolutely do. And one of the, I think one of the reasons that I feel like they're so powerful is because all of my, anything that I put into a jar working or a bottle working has to be worked for a, a longer span of time. Like there's more that goes into it than, than just like, you know, right. Uh, doing like a petition burning, for example. I agree. And we're going to dive deep into that. Woohoo. Yes, episode. we are. Why it's so important that we continue working our jar and bottle spells. As a matter of fact, it's reminded me. Mm -hmm. Did you hear that? (laughs) Was it a shake? Yes. I have a shaker jar. A money shake. I love those. (laughs) They're so satisfying in so many ways. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So first Can you tell everybody out there what the traditional witch's bottle is and where it comes from and what its purpose is? Yes, I can. So a traditional, (laughs) a traditional witch's bottle is literally a bottle filled with ingredients used for a specific magical purpose. Traditionally, they're found in Europe as well as in North America. We have actual archeological evidence that the traditional witch's bottle has been used for centuries, possibly thousands of years. It's not a new concept, although it's very trendy and everyone loves it, you know, the whole bottle jar thing lately, but the traditional witch's bottle is very old and we definitely have found some in England or the British Isles, I should say, 
as well as in the United States from colonial times. One of the more recent discoveries takes us to Tinicum Island in Pennsylvania in the US. I believe they discovered this in the late 1970s. And there are some more modern discoveries, but I wanted to talk specifically about this one because I just find it interesting. Anyway, it's called the Essington Witch Bottle. This vessel was dug up and dated to the mid 18th century. It was actually found buried under a the home of a someone who was once a governor during that time period. And <laughs> cool, right? And scholars believe it was buried to rid the resident or the residents in the home of illness or potentially the, you know, quote unquote evils of witchcraft. This specific bottle contained six pins, a pottery shard, bur and bird bone specifically. I'm sure there was probably other contents inside that maybe broke down with time or what have you. Can can okay. Can I just stop you there? Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I got a question. Mm-hmm. So So people who do not believe in witchcraft are using witchcraft to rid themselves of witchcraft. That's how I am to understand. Yes. This was something that was used across the board from folks who were scared of witchcraft, as well as people who, you know, were accused of using it all, you know, it's, it, it's, yeah, (laughs) it's a little confusing, but yeah, the Puritans and colonial settlers, whatever, were using this form of folk magic. They brought it here from Europe, from different places in Europe, definitely the British Isles. I'm not positive about Germany and all these places, but I'm sure they had their own version as well. Okay, continue. Okay, back in the day, the primary purpose for the witch's bottle was to ward off some form of negative energy or attacks by spirits or witches as we've already dived into a little bit. Often these spirits were sent to victimize a person, typically thought to be sent to the victim by a witch. And the witch's bottle essentially tricks that spirit into thinking its victim is inside of the bottle. And this is done using personal effects, which we're gonna dive really far into the contents in a minute. So I'm not gonna go into it just yet. But once the spirit goes into the bottle, it's then snagged or trapped by sharp objects in the bottle as well. And it's typically buried near the front door of the home, on the property, or even sometimes under the hearth of the home, which is thought to heat up the work. That makes sense. Yeah. And I I think I said too, in addition to warding off evil, sometimes they were more specifically meant to ward off a specific illness. And, oh, oh, and in Eastern Europe, apparently they've also found witches' bottles that were used as an offering to the spirit of the house and also buried under the hearth. Okay, and I'm just gonna, just for those that are listening, we are talking about a traditional witches' bottle. We are not talking about jar spells and bottle spells at the moment. This is something really specific. 
So when you hear the words traditional witch's bottle, this is what they're talking about. Yeah. And I'm going to, we're going to go into the specific contents as well as if you would like to craft your own traditional witch's bottle. Yeah. So I know what I put in mine, but I'm curious to see how traditional what I use is. So can you dive into that? Yes. First, let's talk about what the vessel is made of. In the old days, it was typically clay or glass. Today, I mean, you can really use anything that you have at your disposal. I typically only ever use glass, but that's just me. This is specifically for the traditional witch's bottle. And now we'll go on to the contents. A person's personal effects must go into the bottle to trick the spirit, as previously mentioned. These personal effects are anything with the intended um, victim's DNA, or that would be your DNA, on it, which could be finger or toenails, hair, saliva, teeth, and also urine. And in, I think I mentioned this with the Essington Witch Bottle, but in some bottles that we've discovered, there's also been bits of bone found inside. And I think some of it has actually been animal bone as well. Cause I'm like, where are they getting the bone from? But anyway, <laughs> mm. okay. And you can even use, let's say a small piece of a t-shirt or other garment that you've worn recently, not wash. And so do you want to stop me there with, as far as the personal effects, do you use these types of contents? Uh, in yes. Yes. So I think without these things, it's not going to work. That's just my opinion. Yes. So I definitely use my person, my own personal effects in in a traditional witch's bottle. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is like the type of magic that you do where you realize that it's not always pretty to do magic. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a good point because I always say like, if your hands aren't dirty, when you get done working magic, you haven't done it right. (laughs) Well, let's hope you're not splashing here and all over yourself as you're trying to seal the bottle. But anyway, (laughs) no, no, but I'm, it's just a symbolic phrase, right? Of course. So I don't actually mean splashing urine on your hands. (laughs) And maybe something that you'll want to put together when there aren't other people around. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't. Typically, if I'm making a witch's bottle, it's it's a solitary event. Like I don't, I don't even invite my, I mean, I'm trying to think. I've only ever done it when nobody was in the house. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, not even my husband is around when I make witch's bottles, so. Mm Mm-mm. All right. And that being said, I I don't know if I've said this before, but this is a super powerful, effective way to protect yourself from spiritual attack, you know, psychic attack and just negative energy in general. It's, it's, that's why we've been using this, this method for hundreds of years. Yes. And this is what, this is what we would call defensive mm -hmm. protection magic, right? Not not aggressive or active. Right. Exactly. So in addition to these personal effects that you're going to put in the bottle, 
objects are also placed in the bottle to trap trap the spirit or the energy inside. And that is also another essential part to this. And those items are typically things that are pointy or broken. So including rusty nails, pins and needles, broken glass, wooden splinters, et cetera. Mm. I usually, my go-to is either nails or broken glass. Mm -hmm. Yep. So keeping all of that in mind, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, so we, so now that we know what's in it, how do we craft one? I mean, basically you're putting all these things into a bottle of your choosing, but I, Mm -hmm. what I like to do is I add my small or dry personal effects to the bottle first. So you're putting your essence into the spell. And then I add the sharp objects after that. And at the end, that's when I like to fill it with some form of liquid, which in traditional talk is urine. But if you're too grossed out that you can't do that, people do use things like red wine. Right. I think if you're going for it and you really want a strong defensive traditional witch's bottle, you might as well just suck it up and do it the right way. (laughs) Suck it up and pee in the bottle. (laughs) Just put your pee in the bottle. (laughs) You can do it for the doctor. You can do it for this. Okay. You've done grosser things in the bedroom. (laughs) Uh, Lord, I hope not. (laughs) Kidding. That was funny. (laughs) So I'm sorry. I crack myself up. I'm the funniest person I know. (laughs) You are. You're pretty funny. You're pretty funny. I think I'm the funniest person I know, but (laughs) agree to disagree. No. Yeah. So after you have sealed your bottle up, you got all your contents inside. Obviously you're, you're visualizing, you're chanting, or you're doing whatever it is that you do during this working. And in addition to that, you want to heat up the work that's inside by either putting it over an open fire, or if you can't do that, you can also burn a candle on top. And I usually always use just a plain black candle if you have it. Following that, go ahead. That's typically, oh, I was just gonna say that's typically what I've done. Yeah. Following that, you're gonna bury it. You're gonna bury the bottle. Some people do the front door. I've done the bedroom window, especially this was especially effective for me when I was being plagued at night um, by someone who was sending nasty things my way. And, Mm -hmm. or in addition, like we said, if you have a hearth or a fireplace and you can bury it under there, then go for it. And then once Mm -hmm. it's there, don't dig it up. Okay. Question though. Yeah. Do you mark where you bury your witch's bottles mm, in some I mean, way. I have a general knowing of where they are buried, but okay. the one that I did, I don't know, a year or so ago, I've left it and it's done its job so far. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm under like, okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm one that I believe once you do one, the, the magic lasts for quite a while. I don't feel like, I don't feel the need to constantly do them. Like, I don't, I don't feel like it's a recurrent thing. Maybe people will disagree with me and, and don't, don't, I'm not the end all be all on this, 
but that's just my experience with it. Well, I'm just thinking too, because there are a lot of like environmentally conscious folks out there. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, like in that respect, how, how, yeah, that works. Well, yeah. And that's why I said, I don't, that's another reason why, because you're going to, I mean, if you, if you are constantly doing jar spells or traditional witches bottles or what have you, and you're always burying them, that's going to be a lot of things that you're burying in the earth. Right. Mm. So a traditional witches bottle, I think if you're living in a home and you craft one for me, it's been sufficient. I don't need to do another one. Now, if you move or let's say somehow your bottle gets, God forbid, God's forbid, dug up for some reason, then um, I think at that point, it's okay to craft another one, right? Right. Yes. Agree. I think if, for me, you don't want to disturb an old witch's bottle specifically. So like I always, if you see the articles online where they're like, oh, I found this traditional witch's bottle or a jar or whatever buried in the yard. It's one of those, put that thing back where it came from, please. (laughs) Right. Yes. And, you know, I, I have theories, I guess, but you know, we don't know how long it takes if ever for this type of energy, or let's say a spirit goes in there and it's trapped in there. We don't know how long it's going to take for it to be neutralized. So you really don't I just say, leave it down there, right? You have one done for your home. It seems to be working effective, efficiently. Leave it there. You don't need to dig it up. I don't think you need to do a new one. If you're having things slipping through, then you should probably examine your wards that you placed around the property, your cleansing methods and that kind of thing. Yeah, correct. True. Right. Agreed. Okay. So I always wonder too, like what kind of consequences befell these people who found and dug up these old witches bottles at the old archeological sites? Oh yeah. Well, and that's another thing too, like. Or open them. Oh (laughs) yeah. That's yes. And unfortunately, recently, actually, like that seems to be a thing. People opening bottles or jars with. I mean, clearly we know what they are when we see a photo because there is a, you know, like a petition paper, some money inside, uh, some, you know, other items, personal Mm. effects and what have you. So we would automatically recognize it, but, you know, people who do not follow uh, a witchcraft path or a pagan path or, or what have you, they're just opening these opening these jars that they find. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not like you really shouldn't have done that. So I like that. You said, if you find one, you just leave it alone. I actually, now that we're talking about this, it just, just reminded me, we actually found a very small bottle in my front yard, probably Mm. two or three years ago. And I'm talking like really small, but it was a green glass jar. It was, it was old. I don't know how old I'm not going to say like a century. You know what I mean? Cause this place wasn't around a century, a century ago, but, um, mm. I was like, let's just, um, uh, we're going to get rid of that. We're definitely not opening it. <laughs> yeah. Just don't open it. No. <laughs> like, if you find one, don't open it. 
just, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So can you make a witch's bottle for things other than warding? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's not going to be considered a traditional witch's bottle, in my opinion, at that point. But right. you can definitely make your own bottles for other intentions, whatever intention you'd like. Woohoo. Yes, I agree. Um, okay. So now we've talked about traditional witches' bottles, but now I want to talk about all these trendy spell jars that just keep appearing everywhere from TikTok to Instagram to all the social medias. So what is a spell jar? And then we'll get into types of spell jars. So what is a spell jar? Well, before we go there, I want to ask you, do you yeah. think with spell jars that size matters? I sort of already know the answer to this, but go ahead. So does size matter, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> um, okay. So my answer to this is it depends on the problem. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with a problem. Um, because I am of the opinion that big problems require big solutions. Um, Mm, I like that. And small problems require smaller solutions. So that's kind of how I gauge what size jars and things that I'm going to work with. Now, spell jars are not always constructed for a problem, right? Um, So... Man, you know what, if, if I'm just going to say this, I mean, with all the problems that people have, they might need one of those like gigantic wine bottles, like the Carlos, Carlos Rossi (laughs) ones to to solve their problems. (laughs) Like, you know, that saying, let the punishment fit the crime. Well, let the jar fit the intention, I guess, is my is how I feel about it. Very nice. That should go on a meme. We like that. (laughs) Well, it's true. Like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it really depends on what your intention is, um, what problem you're trying to solve, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to do with or working. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Yes. Size does matter. I have just (laughs) put a hundred year old debate to rest in one fail swoop. Period. The end. Yes. So I think everyone pretty much already knows that a spell jar is indeed a jar with a spell inside and intention ingredients that match your intention and energy is raised obviously to create these and then it's sealed off. And I think this next part is where a lot of people go wrong with their spell jars. They forget forget to feed (laughs) that working with more energy and intention in order to manifest the results that they're looking for. If you're just slapping a jar together and going, okay, it's pretty, here's the roses and here's a little salt and put a little wax on the top. And yeah, it's super pretty, but what else did you do with that jar afterward? How many times did you pray over it, chant over it, you know, shake it, dance over whatever, you know, however you feed your workings with your own energy and intention. You, you have to do that with jars too and bottles. Not the traditional mm-hmm. witch's bottle, because that's different, but we're talking specifically spell jars in this case. Yes, 
Agreed a thousand percent. Okay, cool. Now that my lecture is over, we can talk about the types of spell jars. So there's, this is going, this goes around a lot online as well. And I'm just going to touch on it briefly because I don't, okay, anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, so in Southern folk magic, there are spell jars that are referred to as honey jars. I think they're also called sweetening jars. Yes, Laura. Yes. And there's also sour jars. Yes. So the honey jar or the sweetening jar is essentially to sweeten someone or a situation in your favor. And the sour jar does just the opposite. But I'm not a practitioner of hoodoo. So I don't, I, for me personally, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that topic. But, you know, I'll leave it to the listeners to explore respectfully. Unless you yeah. want to add anything to that. Um, no, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I, you see them a lot online, you know what I mean? So I wanted to touch on it and, and just acknowledge the fact that it is a thing. Yes, they, they do <laughs> exist. Um, yes. and I will say as well, they're not solely a hoodoo practice. Okay. Um, they do okay. exist in other, in other, well, I'm sorry. And other forms of folk magic. Yes. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think we can leave that there. Okay, cool. In addition to the, those kind of where we're talking about the tradition the different tradition spell jars, there's also what I just call a modern spell jar. This is literally a jar that you put together for almost any and every intention including love, money, healing, cleansing, banishing, protection, friendship, blah, 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 blah. Some of my most effective money spells have been money jars to the point where I have close family members ask me to make more money jars. And I have a very specific way that I make them and then also feed them or enchant them with my energy. How about you? Uh, what are you asking specifically about money jars or just, just, just your jars in general? Like, do you have a specific intention that works really well with jars or do you just do jars for everything? No, I don't. So I don't do jars for everything. I, if it's, I feel like okay. we would have a lot of jars, you know, if yeah. we did it for everything. <laughs> right. Yes. Like out all the time. <laughs> I tend to do jar workings when I know that I need a long-term solution mm-hmm. um, or that what I'm facing is particularly a big obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to give you an example, I completely did this binding sweet jar for gaining my permanent residency in Australia. And it worked, it worked big time. Um, and that being said, when you were talking about feeding a spell, right? Mm-hmm. That is a jar that I worked every week for 20 weeks on a specific day um, with a sp- specific candles that were burned on top of it, things like that. So uh, yeah, that's when I typically turn to jars is when I need something long-term, long-lasting. And if it's quite a big challenge that I'm facing. Great. Yes. 
Because I think if you're just doing, uh, putting a jar together for everything, like we said, you're going to end up with a whole lot of jars. And I, I actually was listening to another podcast. And I don't remember whose it was. So if, if, if someone's listening, this isn't meant to be offensive, but the person said that they made so many jars. It was actually a funny moment that they made so many spell jars that there were some that were so old, like there was mold inside of them. <laughs> oh yeah. That's okay. And if you're yeah. Doing- I'm going to get into that too, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'll refrain, but okay. I feel like if there's mold in a jar, that's a definite sign that that's not that you need to undo or redo that. Correct. And uh, yep. And that's where we're going next. So let's talk about ingredients and also how to use a jar to manifest your intentions. The jar itself can be any kind of jar. Again, you can even reuse old jars from the kitchen, you know, pickle, marinara, what have you. Make sure you clean and cleanse it before use, unless you would like that kind of remnants of whatever it was to fuel your working. <laughs> and I will say for the people down in Australia, uh, I have found Vegemite jars to be especially useful, the small ones. Ooh. Yeah. So you definitely want to clean that out, but <laughs> the size of the jar. I typically use, if I, I typically have mason jars sitting around, so that's what I'll use. But again, use what you have, right? You don't need to go out and buy a bunch of jars if you don't oh, yeah. have money. I also use recycled um, pasta sauce jars. Exactly. Yep. All right. So on to ingredients. We touched on the moldy thing. We're going to go into more depth with that here. My recommendation is to use dry ingredients if you intend for the jar to look pretty or if you want it to last a long time. If you're putting together a jar for your business and you want it to to stay on your desk and last a long time, you definitely don't want to put any kind of liquid or, you know, fresh herbs or anything like that. Anything that can, that's wet or could potentially rot or mold over. You don't want to use, you don't want to put that in a jar that you want around for a long time. Right. (laughs) Okay. Hold on. I'm going to ask a question here Mm -hmm. because I'm sure everybody out there is going, well, what about oils? Can you put oils in there? You can. However, for me, this has just been my experience with it. Cause I've, I've made quite a few jars. Like you have Alora. I find Again, if I want it to last a long time, I don't really use oils in mine because what happens is that it, it basically turns some of the contents inside wet, or it just takes it to a different state than what I initially intended for that jar. Now, if that doesn't bother you or, you know, the jar's not going to be sitting around for a very long time, then you do what you got to do. Right. Yes. Uh, the only thing that I will add to that is if you do use oils in a jar, I would just recommend that it it be probably, it's probably better that you use a pre blended oil that already has, um, like a touch of alcohol or which is, which hazel in it, Mm -hmm. because then that that's a natural preserve, natural preservative. Yes. for oils. So you won't get, you're less likely to get mold or things like that. Right. Yeah. And 
again, if you have a bunch of jars sitting around and there's mold or they're getting clumpy or nasty or whatever, get don't you don't want them sitting around. I like unless that's your intention and you want the objects inside to mold over, then go for it. But otherwise, that's probably time to it's probably time to, you know, rid yourself of that. <laughs> Yes. So the moral of the story here is if you are wanting to work a money jar, you do not want mold in it. <laughs> no. So just go for me. I just go with dry herb or plant matter. You can always, if you're not sure, you can fully dry out any of it in a dehydrator for a quick fix. And you don't want to use fresh herbs. I think a lot of people, when for me, even like I, when I first started doing oils and stuff, I would put fresh herbs and oils. And I'd be like, why is it molding over? You need to dry it out completely. Otherwise it's going to go rancid. Right. And, um, something else that I want to just put out there, mm -hmm. get creative with your ingredients because let just like, for instance, over here, we have, uh, these things called, we, they have them in the United States too. They're not called the same thing, but over here they're called hundreds and thousands. Right. So I yeah. actually know a practitioner who used hundreds and thousands in a money jar. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I use, like, um, I've used, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but a local plant that we have that grows here is a uh, gotcha cola but it's also called, called dollar weed. So I'll gather some of that <laughs> and use it in my, yeah. And use it in my money jars and it's pretty effective. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the point I'm trying to get at is you don't, because we live in a modern world and society, we have access to things that are not what is traditionally used, but is if it's symbolic toward your intention, it can absolutely right. be in a jar. Yeah. Yeah. Stones, rocks, photos, spell papers, mementos, coins, dollar bills, soil, sand, all that works well. Good ingredients. Yeah. Provided they're dry ingredients. Right. Right. Exactly. Wasn't it you that was telling me that somebody said to put lettuce Oh yeah. In a, in a, what was, what was that in a jar or box or something in a box? It, it was in a, a Pinterest a spell on Pinterest. I was like, huh? Who? It, it was like, no one had ever, the person that wrote that or put, like created that meme has never actually practiced any kind of witchcraft in their entire life. I'm sorry to say that, but there's no way like, yeah, it was like, okay. It was for, it was like a love spell too. It made no sense. I mean, you want to lose, use lettuce, like go for it. I'm sure. But why would you put lettuce, which is essentially uh, all water? I remember what it was. <laughs> it was, it wasn't a love spell. It was a fertility spell. I mean, well, that's what it was. I don't know, but because the thing's going to mold over, man. Like that's gross. <laughs> yeah. Cause they put, a, cause if I remember right, they put the lettuce in there as like a symbol of growth. Yeah, but it like how, we were like, ah, no. like that's not going to turn out. That's going to be right. really bad. Right. Or there was another one too, that it was apple seeds, infusing apple seeds into wine and 
I'm fairly sure there's, it's, what is it? It's not cyanide. Is it cyanide or something else? In apple uh, arsenic? Arsenic. Yeah. One of those anyway. And it was like, and then have this, your lover, your intended lover drink it. Like, why would you do anyway? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that is ill-advised. <laughs> yeah. Just not, I mean, you know, just if it's symbolic to you and it has meaning and you know, it, it works with the spell that you're doing like physically definitely go for it, but you need to, and this is too, it's all trial and error. You're going to make things that mold over. You're going to do things. And, and especially at the beginning that you are like, why did I do that? Or what went wrong? And that's all a part yeah. of it. So don't feel bad about that. Every, like the, I still do things where I question why I, you know, <laughs> why I oh, yeah, me too. did certain ingredients or whatever, but, but just, you know, just take our advice. Try not to use wet ingredients in a jar that you don't, if you don't want it to mold over <laughs> or let us in a box or let us in a box. <laughs> okay. So how do you then craft your jars? Okie dokie. I, and we've been touching on this. A lot of people online. I've heard a lot of people say that the spell jars don't work for them or they didn't manifest how they intended. And we're going to say it again. I, we believe that this is because you're not feeding the jar with more energy once you put it together. So what we mean is this specifically, once you put all of your ingredients and your intentions into your jar, you need to fuel it on a regular basis. So whether that's daily or once weekly or however you want to do it, that's up to you. And there's different ways of doing this that, I mean, there's shaking, like what Alora just did a little bit ago, you can shake the jar and while you're shaking it, you can pray over it or chant over it at the same time. You can literally just hold it in your hands and chant over it or pray over it or sing or however you do your energy raising. You could also burn a uh, candle on top be that a chime or tea light, however you want to do it. Some people like to burn the candle on top and have the wax come down and drip over top of it and, and do it that way. It is very pretty. I've done that. I've done it that way, but I've also done a lot of tea lights on top as well. I feel like it's still heating up the work inside. So just use what you have and, and you can experiment again. Yes. The jar I was talking about earlier for uh, permanent residency here in Australia, um, mm -hmm. I use tea lights for that the whole time. So, well, no, I take that back. There was about three weeks when I, it was so strange too, but now it's not strange to me, but the last three weeks that I worked that jar, mm -hmm. I like doubled what I was doing before yeah. um, because I was trying to speed it along <laughs> mm -hmm. and within three weeks, everything was all said and done. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. It's pretty, yeah. It's pretty. Neat. Oh, and I, and I, go ahead. Uh -huh. Oh, I was just going to say, and I think this all, like all of what we're saying just goes back to one of the main premise premises of magic, which is however much effort you put into a spell is however much you're going to get out of the spell. Yes, I agree. And I, there are some instances where let's say you Oh, I don't know. Throw a coin into a wishing well, made a wish, and that wish actually did come true. Sure, yes, there are definitely instances like that, but you will find that the more effort you put into collecting your ingredients 
and then putting the jar or whatever it is that you're doing together and then feeding it with more of your energy, you'll find that that's going to yield results that match the energy that you put into it more so than, you know, just flipping a coin into a wishing well all the time and hoping that that manifests. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So we've done the ingredients, we've crafted the jar, we've worked the jar, and now we're, the jar has manifested and now we're ready to get rid of the jar. So what do we do with the remnants of the jar? This, it depends on the intentions, first of all, but it also, I just say, it also depends on what you feel is right. Honestly, Mm. I don't dispose of a money jar until I feel that it's done working. So let's say, you, you know, I write out a specific intention for this money jar and I say, you know, this specific deal or this money is going to come in by such and such time. And then it actually does come in, it manifests. That to me means that the jar is done working. So then I will, typically I'll bury it um, or it, I don't always bury it. I sometimes reuse the jars as well because I don't want to bury too much again with the whole eco-friendly thing. But again, it's depending on your intention. Let's say you're trying to bind and banish an illness from your life, for example, with a spell jar. You don't want to keep that jar anywhere near you, I don't believe, to begin with. Right. And my suggestion would be to take it to the other side of town or or trash it on the other side. Get it away from you. You don't want it anywhere near you in that case. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I just agree. <laughs> like, if it's a, like, if it's a, I don't want to say a negative working, I don't mean it that way, but if it's something that you're trying to get rid of or eradicate from your life, I will not reuse the jar itself. But again, that's up to the person and how well you cleanse it. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely if it's something that is a banishing working or, um, yeah, anything like that, I definitely don't reuse the jars or the ingredients or anything like that. If it's a money jar, if it's a peace jar, because you can, you can make jars that bring peace into your home, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, those kind of jars. Yeah, absolutely. When they're done or, you know, when I feel that, that intention is no longer needed or whatever. I absolutely will reuse those jar vessels for something else. Yeah, I agree. Cause you don't want to just be burying all of your stuff constantly, my opinion, but <laughs> <laughs> you're going to run out of space in your yard, especially in like a yard like mine. There's not a lot of free space. You could probably go back there right now and dig up just put your shovel anywhere and you're going to find something. Mm-hmm. Well, like road opener jars. A lot of people bury those at the crossroads. Oh yeah. I don't, I, I've not engaged in the crossword, uh, crossword, the crossword puzzles, the crossroad workings, because I don't know if I'm just too chicken shit or I don't have like crossroads around here to do that with. I don't know. <laughs> Um, well, yes, girl, we can talk about that because you actually, in order to do that, you actually have to find a crossroads Mm -hmm. that is 
an actual crossroads. Right. Um, and yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll discuss after this episode. <laughs> we should. Yeah. That's a good, we need to go into in a future episode, like liminal spaces. That would be a good one. Mm, good one. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. Write that down or just listen to it when we. Yeah. Well, I have lost my, oh, there it is. I'm like, what did I do with my little notepad? Anyway. Okay. All got right. it. Well, I think that we've hit the bottle enough in this episode. Do you think All so? All right, girl. Yes, girl. Okay. I am. I am drunk on magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Check out our articles on witches, bottles, and spell jars at otherworldlyoracle.com. We welcome you to join our high vibing Facebook group and visit my website at alorarain.com for numerology, tarot readings, and soul origin profiles. Shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning. Subscribe to or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes and help us out and be sure to share our podcast and review us too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.